Hey guys, welcome to church this morning. We're, well, this morning for us, this afternoon for some, and this evening for others. We are, thank you for coming and worshiping with us and hearing the word. Lord, we just lift up your name this morning, God. We just worship you with song, with our eyes, with our attention. God, we pray that you would remove distraction, fear, Be gone in Jesus' name. Frustration, be gone in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. 
Jesus For my cleansing This my plea Nothing but the blood of Jesus Oh, precious is the flow Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
Jesus All my praise for this I bring Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Lord. I heard in worship his children calling on his name saying give me more Lord give us more I heard us crying out for him and only for him and I saw him pouring out his joy abundantly more than our greatest expectation he was pouring it out and it spread among us it was more contagious than any disease more contagious than any fear. It spread like wildfire. And the power of that joy is immeasurable. Because when we laugh, we laugh with the Lord. And when we smile, we smile as the Lord smiles. And we'll be able to feel his close proximity with us, inside of us. So Lord, would we be a people that call on your name? Would New South Wales, would the Northern Beaches, would Forestville, would Australia be a place where we call on your name and wait for your joy to fill us in abundance? Would we be a people that sit before your feet, Lord, and offer you praise and thanksgiving as we enter your gates, Holy Spirit? And Lord, would we give you the worship that you deserve, not just on a Sunday, not just with songs, but Lord, in our hearts, would we worship you every day? We will not let the rocks cry out, Lord. We will not let the rocks cry out. We worship you, Lord, in every way. Our hearts are filled with worship and praise for you, Lord. Draw us near, Holy Spirit. Draw us near, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that there is so much available. Yeah, Lord, your unity can bypass any segregation, any isolation and unite us as one in the Spirit. The Spirit goes beyond what the physical offers. Yeah, your fire is powerful, Lord. We thank you for your refining fire coming, Lord. It rests on us, Holy Spirit. We call out for your name and we wait in expectation for your glory to fall more, Lord. We call out for you, Lord. Would your glory come, Jesus? We praise you, Lord. You are worthy, Holy Spirit. You are worthy. In every season, every day, you are worthy. Jesus, we exalt you, Lord, and you reign in this land. You reign in this land where hope is fear dispersed. Fear is cancelled where hope lives, Lord. Jesus, we exalt you, Holy Spirit. 
thank you that you don't change, Lord, that no effect in this world, no rule, no law could ever change what you did, can never change what you do. Lord, you are yesterday, you are today, and you are forevermore, Holy Spirit. You are constant, Lord, will we pull on your constantness. We will rest in your shadows, Holy Spirit. We will rest under your wing, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Everything that we are, everything that we have, we bless you. You are worthy. Jesus is King. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church. And he is the Saviour. Of the body. Jesus, we thank you for saving us. We thank you for saving our bodies. We thank you for saving your church, your bride. May we submit to you as you lead us in this season. May we not be led by the fancies of the flesh and from the world around us and from the opinions of men. May we not be led by the media, by this idea and that idea. May we be led by you. We submit to you. We submit to you with our worship. We submit to you with our thoughts and our ideas. We bring everything under your subjection. For you are king, Jesus. You are king. As a church, we submit to your leadership, to your authority. Jesus, we give you the authority that you deserve and the authority that your righteousness demands. We thank you for your holiness. We thank you for your purity. Lord, in these days, may we sanctify our lives. May we look up. Because you are coming back soon. And may you even come today, Lord Jesus. 
May you reign in our lives. Jesus, you are king. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So we see in Ephesians chapter 5, it's a wonderful teaching about predominantly the church uh, through the marriage relationship. And as husbands of families, if I could speak to the men, those to-be husbands and those who are already given the responsibility to lead a family, uh, we have to, as men, rise up to our responsibility and lead our wives. And the way the Bible very clearly tells us the way that we lead our wives and families is by submitting to Christ ourselves as his headship, as his leadership. And as uh, church leaders as well, uh, we abuse our authority uh, as leaders when we don't submit to Christ. And I see so many marriages falling apart because the husband or the leader who was supposed to be the head of the household uh, does not submit to Christ, does not honour Jesus, does not focus on Jesus. Therefore, he abuses his God-given responsibility and his relationship. The main reason why marriages break and families uh, become subject to the wiles of the enemy is because the husband doesn't take his authority uh, and his ownership over his responsibility, which is to submit to Christ. And I was thinking, you know, during the week about this verse and why, why is it that God uh, has put um, such authority in the family unit? And some of us really struggle with this verse because of, you know, we've been subject to abusive uh, fathers and unbalance, imbalance in, in family life. And, uh, but we see the kingdom of God is a kingdom which is based on authority. It has an authority structure. And, um, you know, the enemy, Satan, doesn't like that. And we see Satan rebelled against that authority. He wanted to be his own voice and he couldn't submit to God's authority. And he was rejected uh, by the Lord. But we see that Jesus came and Jesus came lowly into the earth and he came with submission to his father's authority. And Jesus was a beautifully fulfilled uh, this scripture when he walked on the earth. And he, he laid down the blueprint for us uh, as husbands. And I was thinking, 
you know, men and women are very different in their makeup, and uh, a true marriage is one where husband and wife actually flow together and submit actually to one another. And we see that wives quite often are able to, to multitask and focus on various things, whereas a, a husband um, is very much more a big picture. And I know in, in our marriage, uh, Holly is, has her mind on many different things at once and um, multitasking continually, whereas I'm much more focused on the big picture and um, I believe that's my responsibility to be the visionary, you know, of the family and my responsibility, my number one responsibility as a husband and a father is to be focused on Jesus, to be single focused. And if I'm not single focused on Jesus, then I neglect my God-given authority and I, I have the, you know, the danger of, of uh, becoming an abusive husband and an abusive father. And I think many men need to repent because you haven't been focused on Jesus. And, um, you know, when God put man in the Garden of Eden, he created man first. He created Adam first before he created Eve. And the reason was is because God wanted to train him to be focused on himself before he brought his wife into his life. And we know in the garden there was two trees. There was a tree of life, uh, two central trees, tree of life, and then there was also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which I believe was you know, not so central as the tree of life. There were many other trees in the garden, but there were two important trees, one the tree of life, uh, I believe, was reserved for Adam uh, at a later stage when he grew in the holiness of God and he grew in the likeness of God. Uh, the focus was to be a partaker of the tree of life. And, but when he, Adam took his eyes off the tree of life, we know the tree of life speaks about Jesus and eternal communion with God. When Adam took his focus from the tree of life, he, he looked to the other tree. Um, he didn't lead his wife to the tree of life, but he agreed with his wife and partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And these are the days when the tree of knowledge of good and evil is rearing its ugly head and it is exposing itself through media and other ways and there's many distractions, but we... Uh, as husbands need to lead our families back to the tree of life. We need to lead our families back to Jesus. Our focus must be on Jesus. And as church leaders, we, we have to lead our church back to Jesus. He must be the focus. We cannot be distracted on other things. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So... Uh, just Christ, the way that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it has to be our focus. That has to be our blueprint. And the Lord is getting his bride ready. Verse 26 speaks about the church getting ready to be with Jesus forever. He wants to sanctify and cleanse her 
with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she should be holy and without blemish. So Jesus is getting his church ready, and he's not threatened by the shutdown. Um, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not resist it, will not withstand it. And he's not threatened by religious meetings or gatherings, you know, being shut down because he's still building his church. And I'm I'm hearing reports of um, some of you out in the community doing the work of God and and hearing reports of people, you know, coming to know Jesus even in this situation. Um, Yeah. So authority structure is important uh, in the body of Christ. There's spiritual authority structures that God would call call us to submit our lives to. And there's an authority structure in the family as well. Uh, There's an authority structure in, in the government that God has put on the earth, even though governments may not be godly. Uh, the Bible tells us that, that the government that has been selected to rule over us is of God. And we are called uh, to submit to the authority that God has put over us, but we're not called to compromise our faith. But back to the family unit, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, following on from chapter 5, obviously. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So if a, if a father is not submitting to Christ and not loving his wife as Christ loved the church, and it's very difficult for children uh, to obey their parents and submit to them, in verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So we have a responsibility uh, as fathers to bring our children up uh, in the Lord, in Jesus. And the way that we do that is by focusing not on side issues, but on Christ, on Jesus. And if the father, the head of the family, focuses on the tree of life, then everything will flow and everything will work. And children love, uh, love to have a relationship with their parents. Um, but if I want to encourage the wives out there, you know, whose husbands aren't focused on the Lord, I just want to encourage you to be bold and, and speak the word of God to your husbands and just tell them uh, that it's difficult for you to submit to them unless they're submitting to Christ. And um, you know, as children... You know, I, I, I want you to, to keep your parents accountable to the word of God and encourage them to, to seek Jesus so that you can, um, you know, really follow them in your life. And also, you know, as members of this congregation, Harvest Time Church, I, I would like the church to keep me accountable that I'm focusing on Jesus because these are the days, the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to represent Jesus well. And as church leaders, you know, we have a responsibility to represent Jesus 
to the church and as the church has a responsibility to represent Jesus to the world. So I'm fully accountable um, to you guys um, and to Christ. It goes on to talk about even even in the work structure, um, you know, in our working life, we have authority structures that we have to submit to. We have a, a boss uh, that we're called to submit to. Um, in verse 5, it says, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleases, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So we're called to submit to the authority structure in our workplace, uh, in our government, as unto Christ, as we're called to serve him. Uh, we're called to serve him in our family. And then he, he goes on talking about the armour of God. So he gets all this, um, these basic principles of uh, submitting to Christ in family. He talks about submitting to Christ in our church, submitting to Christ in our workplace, submitting to Christ in our government. So there's, there's an authority structure that we have to submit to in order to honour Christ. Then he goes on and talks about the whole armour of God. Uh, that we need to put on this armour of God. And in verse 12, and the reason is because the battle is not against flesh and blood. So there is a battle going on in the world, a spiritual battle. And it's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and the rulers of this dark age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And we are called uh, to fight that battle, not in our own strength, but in the strength of Christ that we've put on. So before we go to battle, we, we get clothed uh, in his righteousness, in his, his armor. And we, are, we will surely be victorious and yeah, we put on the gospel shoes. Our purpose is uh, to bring the gospel to the world, to bring Jesus to the world. That's our focus. So if we have a look, flip over to uh, Mark chapter 16, we see Jesus after his resurrection, he shared uh, well he commissioned his believers and the commission of the Lord hasn't changed it's still out there today in Mark 16 verse 15 he appeared to his disciples and he said go into all the world and preach the gospel the good news to every creature so this was the number one responsibility. And as we focus on Christ, as we realign our lives to Jesus, uh, the Great Commission has to be central to our vision. Go into all the world, preach the good news, preach me. I am Jesus is the good news to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who believes... Not in religion, but in Jesus. 
He who does not believe will be condemned. That is, he who does not believe in Jesus will be condemned. And there's going to be signs. When you do that, these signs will follow those who believe. So when you focus on me and what's important to me and what's important to God's heart, like right now in this world during lockdown, is that people come to know Jesus that's the focus. That's what's on God's heart. And I've heard reports that since lockdown started, Bible sales has quadrupled. So four times as many people have been buying Bibles. So we see Jesus promised, I will build my church in the gates of hell. So we see God is sovereign over all of this. And even though we may not understand it, in our little human mind, God is sovereign and he's bringing people to Jesus. He's arranging situations, not that he's caused any sickness in the world or he's caused lockdown, but he uses the devil like a pawn to bring people to himself. So every attack of the enemy on the church, on mankind, Jesus has the opportunity to turn that around for good, to bring people to himself, because he said he will build his church. And even though man can't, you know, right here at this time, uh, we are a little bit disabled in the sense that we can't meet together. So all of our plans and our programs have failed. But Jesus is still building his church because he wants to show us that he's building his church, <laughs> not our abilities, not our talents, not our great ideas. So once we learn that, then he's going to give us the opportunity to partner with him. And I believe he's preparing us for a harvest. This is a preparation time for harvest. And after this lockdown clears, there's going to be a harvest of souls. Many are going to come into the kingdom. And that's where he's going to use your gifts and your abilities. He's going to use your plans as we plan with him now in this time. As we get ready for lockdown to clear, now's the time where we need to uh, prepare our spirits for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need to prepare our lives. We need to sanctify our lives. And the way we do that is just refocusing on Jesus, not to be distracted by side issues. He that believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those that believe in my name. They will cast out demons. That is those demonic spirits that have stopped, that have hindered people from coming to me. They will go. They will speak with new tongues. They will speak in languages which they don't understand in their natural mind. And they will offer up pure worship. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So these promises are given uh, not to Christians, but these promises are given to those who are focused on Jesus. They're focused on the Great Commission. And this is a promise that we can apply to our lives so this is the power of the blood of Jesus, why he was so bold 
in, in promising divine protection because he understood the power of his blood. And I believe as a church, we need to understand the power of the blood of Jesus, the protecting power of the blood of Jesus. Jesus shed his blood for us. That means when we speak about the blood of Jesus, we speak about the life of Jesus. Jesus said, unless you drink my blood, unless you drink my life, uh, you'll have no life in you. Unless you eat my flesh, unless you do my will, you'll have uh, no life. So we drink, we eat his flesh, we do his will, we take part in the Great Commission, and we drink his blood, we absorb his life. And, you know, if we absorb the life of Jesus, and sickness can't touch us. Because, see, Jesus was never sick. There was no record of Jesus being sick. It's not right for God's children to be sick. And we should not fear any attack of the enemy. We should fear no serpent. And even if, you know, for such a life that, that is given to the Lord, such a life cannot, your life cannot be taken from you. Because your life is in Christ. There is a time when God will call you home, but no devil can has the authority to shorten your life. So just want to encourage you, um, you know, if, if you're fearful of being, um, you know, of becoming sick, don't, don't be. Just meditate on Jesus, on his blood, this power in his blood, to protect you from any sickness, from any virus. And, um, you know, even if you're in a position where you, uh, where you have to, you know, take an antivirus or something of that nature or some harmful medication, then just pray, you know, and invite the blood of Jesus into your body and let that work. Um, but we're called to be part of the Great Commission. And for me personally, um, you know, I, I, I don't need medication to get through life. You know, I don't need medication to protect me from any sickness because I understand the power and the blood of Jesus. But if I have to take some medication to get on a, a plane, um, to go to preach the gospel or to take, you know, a group of people to the mission field, then, then you know, I, I will go and I will do whatever it takes to fulfill the Great Commission. Because that's my responsibility when I stand before the throne of God. You know, did, did you do my will, my son? Did you hear my voice? Did you follow me? I'm not going to let, you know, any, uh, you know, virus or antivirus or any other thing or fear of, uh, being jabbed or anything stop me from preaching the gospel. Whatever it is, my, my trust is in the Lord and in him alone because I'm called to focus on the tree of life. And um, the tree of life was planted in the midst of the garden and we're called to focus on Jesus. He must be our focus. He must be the reason that we live. So, yeah, men are called to be leaders in their family and, and they're called to be single-focused on Jesus. Because we're single-focused, we also need our wives to complement us 
to, you know, my wife is quite often reminding me of other things that I neglect because quite often, you know, I'm single focused on the Lord. And, um, you know, that's a good thing. So we work together like that. And um, that's why Paul wrote to Timothy and said, you know, as soldiers of the cross, do not be caught up with civilian affairs. You know, as soldiers, there's a battle that we have to fight. And it's a battle of the Lord. We're called to be soldiers for the Christ. For Christ, You know, other people uh, can be caught up and fight those other battles. There's lots of battles we can fight in this world. But each of us are called, uh, you know, to fight the battle of the Lord, whatever that that is. And we're all called into, you know, various careers and walks of life to be his representatives there, uh, which is an exciting thing. It's a diversity in the body of Christ. So what do I do in lockdown? Um, I was praying this week and uh, I realized that, you know, this lockdown's going on a little bit longer than I thought it was and was sharing with a few of the brethren here today um, that I don't want to look back on this year with negativity and I want to learn uh, from this situation and I want to make progress in my own life, my own personal life. I want to see my family progress and as a church, I want to see the church grow, uh, the kingdom of God grow and uh, God is able to turn around uh, this lockdown situation for his good so the number one focus i believe as as a church and as individuals is to is to pray is to seek his face and um yeah to enter into his presence in isaiah 26 verse 20 is encouragement from the prophet isaiah speaking into the future says come my people Enter your chambers. And I think this is relevant for the church today. Come, my people, enter into your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. So there is a, an opportunity we have during the lockdown uh, to enter into chambers. Chambers speaks about the... Uh, an intimate place with the Lord, you know, entering into the bridal chamber uh, where we learn intimacy with him. He's calling us to prayer. Because why? Because revival's coming, harvest is coming, and that means uh, we're going to be busy. I believe next year as a church we're going to be busy and we won't get this time again, never again will we have this time. It's, it's preparation time where we can enter into the chambers with the Lord and hide ourselves in him. Um, we should continue uh, building his kingdom. Uh, yeah, the, the building the kingdom is not the responsibility of the church or uh, paid ministers or church leaders. Building the kingdom is, is everyone's responsibility so we don't need church to be meeting to build the kingdom or to reach out. Uh, there's people are, are really longing for something more. You know, people have lost confidence uh, in in the government. They've lost confidence in society. They've lost confidence in even in the health system. They don't know who to trust. 
Um, and, and you see, he was praying the other morning, was walking through, through forestful shops and, and just trying to make eye contact with people and, and trying to, you know, say hello to people. And it was difficult. I could see pain be, behind the mask. And, and you see some people, some people, because they're so fearful, they're happy to, to put on masks and they feel, they feel like, you know, they're looking for safety and they... And they find a little bit of safety in the mask, you know, which which is okay. But what what I'm saying is that people are longing for something more secure. They don't know where to go or to what what to trust. They don't know who to trust. So God is building a platform right now for revival. God is building an opportunity in the city of Sydney where people, where all their crutches have been removed, the things that they've trusted in have been removed from their life. That's why Bible purchases have increased because people are looking for something more substantial. And it's like there's a, there's a void, um, there's a big dark void over the country right now. And people are longing actually for community, real community. So we need to be ready as a church to move into that. And... As soon as this lockdown clears, we need to move in and build community. And we need to bless our community and, and be loud, a loud voice. We need to be uh, like God's represent, representatives and ever-present help in, in time of trouble. And the church for too long has been quiet. It's been the quiet little building down the road. That's going to change. There's a harvest coming. We're going to influence this community. Um, so that's all of our responsibility, each one of us. So I would encourage everybody to really get a burden for the lost and plan how you're going to reach people. Make a plan, pray into it, and the Lord is going to help you to bear fruit for him. People are really needing something more substantial to, to trust in, to rely upon. God's bringing people to himself. Um, <clears throat> so I feel that some of us at, during this time, this lockdown time, actually uh, called to really focus in on our work, in our working environment and our gifts. Some of us are even called to start businesses in this time and businesses that are not uh, dependent on, on men but are uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, if that's you, we encourage you to press into that. Whatever we do, we have to do it trusting in the Lord. And uh, some of us uh, during this lockdown period have the opportunity to sow into our gifts and to get creative, whether you, you have a gift of uh, building stuff with your hands or thinking with your mind or writing, uh, writing songs, writing books. It's a time to really get creative and uh, get not over busy, but, you know, get busy. There's 24 hours in a day and, uh, you know, we can accomplish a great deal 
in one day if we put the Lord first. Uh, it's a time, lockdown's a time where we can enjoy family. You know, we can be close to one another. We can bring Jesus into our family. Um, would encourage you, you know, to take time with your households to just to worship God and set aside time to seek him together. Um, I believe also it's a time where we can learn from the persecuted church. Um, why? Because persecution may need to come. Uh, I don't believe we've... Ex- I haven't experienced persecution myself, but uh, if that's what it takes for revival to come, then then I believe it will come. Because the Lord wants his church to grow. He wants people to come home. So... What we can learn from the underground church uh, is just a, a determination uh, to seek him first under all circumstances to put him first and not to be distracted um, by sideline issues. So in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 20, he says, Come, my people, enter into your chambers and shut the door behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until indignation is past. So sometimes, you know, we do things as a routine, not because, because we just do and our hearts are not in it. And I believe during this time, as we're not meeting together in community, um, what is important will come out in your life. You know, if you really love Jesus, you'll spend time with him. You know, if you, if you really love him, then you'll worship him. And you don't need other people to help you do that. You can just do it yourself. You just go and do it. That which you love, um, you know, will come out in your life. Psalm 131, verse 1, Lord, my heart is not haughty or my heart is not proud nor my eyes lofty neither do I concern myself with great matters nor things are too profound for me so when we don't understand what's going on in our community when we don't understand what's going on in government it's just a time to humble ourselves not to pretend to try to have the answers Lord you have the answers Lord my heart is not Proud, my eyes are not lofty, neither do I concern myself with great matters nor things too profound for me. We focus on the tree of life. We focus on Jesus. Isaiah 58, verse 11 and 12, just reading some scriptures. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. Satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. It's a personal relationship with the Lord. He promises to satisfy your soul in drought. Strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. The promise is... Uh, that you will rebuild the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the streets to dwell in. We know this prophecy was speaking about Jesus, but Jesus shares that with his church, that responsibility with the church. 
So the blood of Jesus brings us into freedom. He brings us into deliverance. And there's many, many situations of lockdown, you know, in the, in the, in the Bible. And when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, we know it was the blood of the Lamb that finally set them free. It was the death of the firstborn son which brought deliverance. So the Israelites were delivered from 400 years of slavery, not through opposing the Egyptians, not, not through resisting the local government, but their deliverance came through seeking God. And, and the Bible says that the children of Israel cried out to the Lord in anguish because they were afflicted by the Egyptians and they cried out to the Lord. And the, and the Bible tells us that the Lord heard their cry. He heard the cry of his children. So I just want to encourage you, if you feel like you're being controlled, if you feel like the government is controlling you, if you feel like you're being afflicted, then I want to encourage you to cry out to God. Go into the secret place. Go into your chamber and cry out to him. He is the one that will bring deliverance. So we see that no plague that came upon the Egyptians was able to deliver God's people from captivity, but it was only the death of the firstborn son. And when uh, the children of Israel came into their house, they were called to, to kill the Passover lamb and they were to take the blood and the blood put the blood on the side post and the, the top post of their, their entryway into their homes, which we know speaks about the cross, where the, the upper post, the vertical and the horizontal post meet. We see there's a cross, but they were to put the blood of the lamb on that post and that delivered them uh, from the wrath of God. They were protected, they were preserved. So we see the power in the blood of Jesus able to deliver us. And that is freedom. The blood of Jesus is the only thing, the only substance that is able to bring freedom from plague, is able to bring freedom from oppression, from oppressive, oppressive, oppressive regimes. The blood of Jesus brings revival. We see that when Jesus came into the earth, there was an oppressive regime. Uh, in the Roman government, there was an oppressive regime in the religious organization at the time. But Jesus didn't come and oppose that regime. But he came with a, an, a kingdom which was more powerful. And he brought his blood as an offering. And that blood brought freedom. It brought revival. And we see revival happened on the day of Pentecost. Uh, when the Holy Spirit poured out. But the blood of Jesus made, made an opportunity for men to receive the Holy Spirit because it's the blood of Jesus that cleansed man from sin. It was sin, rebellion, which stopped, which hindered man from coming into communion with God. When the Holy Spirit longs to come into mankind, but he can't come until the blood of Jesus is cleansed. So we are called to apply the blood of Jesus in our families, in our churches, in our lives, in order uh, to be continually 
uh, delivered. So my prayer during this lockdown is that God would take away complacency from his church, that he would take away half-hearted worship, that there would be only genuine worship in God's people, that we would uh, have a greater appreciation that we would be like the underground church that we would really really appreciate God's presence and we would desire it and I believe when we come back to community worship we're going to go for a longer time because we're going to appreciate it more we're going to have more powerful times of worship and we're going to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit why because there's so many of you are longing for that and where we've taken community worship for granted, we're no longer going to do that. Where we've turned up late when we've walked in halfway through the worship service and the Holy Spirit's kind of like, oh, you should have been here before. We're going to listen to that voice. We're going to get here on time. <laughs> and we're going to stay to the end. Because spiritual complacency is going to go from our lives. And the world is going to come in. I believe people are going to come in. Church is going to grow. The kingdom is going to increase. We're going to have a greater love and appreciation for the body of Christ. There's going to be salvations in the house of God. I believe there's going to be backsliders are going to return. We're going to return to the house of God. Those who have gone lukewarm in their hearts and walked away from God. During this time... I feel God is speaking to people and, and I, I, I believe there's people out there in the community that have already made a decision that when church goes back, I'm going to be there. I know they have. I've heard, I've heard them making that decision in the spirit. You can tell me I'm a liar next year, but you'll be surprised who you see here with us next year. God is going to bring backsliders back. And the other thing, that those who go to church through obligation and routine, there's going to be those who are not going to return. And I don't believe we have any of those in our midst. Um, but there's going to be those who are going to be woken. They're going to be woken from the dead and... But those who just go to church because of obligation and routine, uh, they're going to see the emptiness of that. The presence of Jesus is going to be our focus. As a church and as a community, his presence will be our focus. And intimacy with Jesus. We're going to come together to experience him. Jesus is king. Uh, just quickly, I was reading through Jeremiah uh, this week and there was a difficult time uh, in the nation of Israel when they had departed from God and they'd gone to idol worship. And Jeremiah as a prophet was a voice of God to the nation. There was also other voices of God and... Um, People had departed from the Lord. But the difficult thing was that Jeremiah was prophesying that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, was going to come and destroy Jerusalem, destroy the temple and carry everything away. 
So they thought he was a liar and they put him in a dungeon. But there were false prophets that came and they said, uh, no, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, you know, don't let, resist him when he comes. But Jeremiah was like, no, Nebuchadnezzar is a servant of the Lord. <laughs> and the word of the Lord that came through Jeremiah was, go with Nebuchadnezzar. Don't resist him. If you resist him, you will die by the sword. But then the false prophet would come and say, no, take your sword and fight Nebuchadnezzar when he comes. It turned out that the lying, the voice of the lying prophet uh, was false, and obviously, but um, Jeremiah's prophecy, uh, it was difficult for the people to understand because their covenant worship, for it to be fulfilled, had to be done in the land of Israel. It had to be done around Jerusalem. So their, their inheritance of the land was an important part of the covenant that God had made with Abraham. So they didn't... Worshipping God in a foreign land was, was, was very difficult for them to get their head around. Um, so what I, I want us as a church just to learn from this, that maybe God during this lockdown period, wants to teach us something uh, which we don't know about. And I want us to have an open heart. And if we could just quickly look at a couple of verses in Jeremiah. Um, let's start from, say, verse uh, Jeremiah chapter 33. Verse 3, Jeremiah says, Call to me and I will answer you. And show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So God is able to do great and mighty things which we don't know. That means God's able to work beyond our knowledge. So God is sovereign and God is able. God is building his church and he's going to do it through ways that we don't know or haven't experienced in the past. And I believe as a church we can't keep doing what we've been doing in the past because what we've been doing in the past hasn't been working. The majority of the world is still going to hell. Call unto me and I will answer you. He's calling us to prayer. Call unto me and I'll answer you. Show great mighty things which you do not know, which you haven't experienced in the past. So... Uh, Jeremiah 33, verse 6, Behold, I will bring health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them in abundance of peace and truth. So he's giving this word of encouragement. At the same time, he's saying, Nebuchadnezzar is coming. When he comes, go with him. When Nebuchadnezzar, when the king of Babylon comes, go with him to Babylon and be captives in Babylon. And there I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So let's read that Jeremiah 45, verse 4 and 5. Thus says the Lord, behold, what I have built, I will break down. Speaking about Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. And what I have planted, I will pluck up. That is this whole land, and do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them, for behold, I will bring adversity on all flesh, says the Lord. So 
God allows adversity to come to his people so that we would trust in something uh, beyond ourselves. And in this instance, the nation of Israel had to go through a discipline. But I will give your life to you as a prize in all places, wherever you go. And that's the word of the Lord to us. He wants to give us as a prize to the dying world around us, those who have lost hope. He wants to give his church, his bride, as a prize, as a reward to those around us. And I believe God is setting us up in this community as a prize to the lost. We're going to lead people to Jesus. We're going to represent Jesus well. God is coming and he is going to manifest himself through us. So in Jeremiah chapter 38, verse 2, thus says the Lord, He who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine and by pestilence. But he who goes over to the Chaldeans shall live. His life shall be as a prize to him and he shall live. So it was very hard for the Israelites to accept this. Imagine going into captivity. Uh, giving yourself to Nebuchadnezzar, that wicked king, that idol-worshipping king. But the, the prophecy was, if you go with him, you will live and your life shall be a prize to him and he will live. So some of the promises of God in the Bible are contrary to what we know and what we've experienced and I just want us to have an open mind during this lockdown and understand that God is still working that God is still sovereign that God is still leading people to himself and could it be possible that even our attitude uh, towards what God is doing in this nation uh, has to be right and we have to choose the right way to respond. God wants to bring health and healing. God wants to reveal the abundance of peace and truth. And Jeremiah referred to Moab, uh, one of the enemies of Israel, in 48 verse 11. He spoke about Moab as being at ease from his youth. He has settled on his dregs and he's not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore, his taste remained in him and his scent has not changed. Could this be the modern Christian church? Could we have become settled in our ease? And could God be emptying us from vessel to vessel in order to remove our pride Moab, uh, they were a prosperous farming community, but when Israel was wandering in their wilderness years, uh, 
Moab was not, did not uh, give a helping hand to Israel. And uh, they, they, didn't, they were not a blessing to God's people that because of their pride. And they were also uh, idol worshippers. But they had become so prosperous and so at ease uh, that pride uh, and arrogance controlled uh, the nation. And 48.29, Jeremiah says, We've heard about the pride of Moab. He's exceedingly proud of his loftiness and arrogance and pride and the haughtiness of, of his heart. Could that be the religious church? Could we have become at ease? I believe God is actually emptying us from vessel to vessel. The things that we became so used to, are they no longer please him? And maybe our taste has remained in us and the Lord wants to empty us of our own pride, of our haughtiness, of our arrogance, so that Jesus uh, would be our all in all. In Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 34, speaks about Jesus, the Redeemer. And there's going to be a people on the earth whose Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He will thoroughly plead their case. Uh, that's why we can't fight this battle with our own wisdom, with our own strength. We have to go into the secret place and invite Jesus to be our strength. We have to invite Jesus to be our redeemer. He will thoroughly plead their case. So Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's praying for his church. He's praying for the persecuted church. He's praying for us here. He's praying for Harvest Time Church. He's praying uh, for the nation of Australia. That is his work. He's pleading for us. And so be encouraged in that. He's our redeemer and he's strong. We don't have to fight this battle in our own strength. Even if we were for a season to submit to the government's requirements, Jesus is greater. Jesus is sovereign. And as we go into the secret place and seek his face, he will take revenge on our enemies. We see the last few chapters of Jeremiah. We see Jeremiah turns from... Uh, pro proclaiming Nebuchadnezzar as the Lord's servant uh, to judgment on Nebuchadnezzar. So we see as the nation of Israel submitted themselves to Nebuchadnezzar, went into Babylon, became a blessing in Babylon. The time came when God judged Nebuchadnezzar and God brought uh, Israel out of Babylon, out of captivity and back into their promised land. There's going to come a time where God is going to come with power. He's going to come with authority. He's going to break the spirit of Babylon. He's going to break captivity. And he's going to release his glory on the earth. So get ready. Get ready for revival. Get ready for harvest. It's going to be a harvest time soon. But now this is a time uh, where we need to go forth uh, with weeping. And we need to uh, go forth... In prayer, the Bible tells us that he who goes forth with weeping, with weeping, will uh, definitely come forth with joy with his uh, sheaves with him, with the harvest. 
So these are the days where we need to sow in prayer. Sow in prayer because we can't, we can't do that which we want to do in the natural. But prayer is one thing that we can send into our future. It can go before us into the future. We can accomplish things in the spirit. And it's going to be exciting uh, to see is this next season what God accomplishes for his name uh, in, in the nation of Australia and in the world. Um, in Psalm 137, we know the children of Israel wrote this psalm in Babylon. And it was there that they sat by the rivers of Babylon and there they wept when they remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it because those who carried us away captive, they asked us for a song, but, but they responded, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? How can we, how can we worship God when, when, we're, when we're in the land of captivity? We're not free. We're not in freedom. And they cried out to God and God brought deliverance. And we see that pattern right through the scriptures. That whenever God's people cried out to him, deliverance came. God raised up a deliverer. When the Midianites uh, were ravishing and controlling Israel, God raised up a Gideon. When the Philistines were um, you know, bullying Israel, God raised up Samson. When the Canaanites were troubling Israel, God raised up a Deborah. And we see... Whenever communism and government control rises, there's always God's people that rise up. When communism has caused the greatest revival in China on this earth today, and many millions of Christians have been birthed, even in the midst of that oppressive uh, communist regime. One of my favorite modern-day revivalists, Paul Yong Cho, after the Korean War, God raised him up in South Korea in a country that was predominantly Buddhist, like it had like less than 2% Christians. And you go to South Korea today, the majority of people are born again Christians because of one man who was called to prayer, one man who laid his life down for the sake of the gospel. Could that be you? Could God raise you up to be a a modern-day revivalist. We know the story of some of us have been over uh, to Mozambique and seen the work of, of, of Roland and Heidi Baker when God raised up that, that couple and sent them into Mozambique. There was a very few Christians there and they brought the presence of Jesus into a country uh, that was uh, far from God and and literally changed a country now to, I believe it's over 30% Bible-believing Christians. So this battle that we're facing, it's not a battle of flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. We're not called to wrestle the Egyptians with our physical strength, but we are called to apply the blood of Jesus. Jesus has already got the victory. So let's not uh, get 
caught up on side issues. And I, I would call uh, those who are spiritually strong to really focus, focus on Jesus and not be divided as a body over silly little side issues. Jesus wants to bring revival to his church. Jesus is going to, uh, God, God is going to bring revival. He's going to bring people to himself. So I'm just going to pray and, and, um, and finish up. Thank you for, for listening today. But it's a call to prayer. It's a call to prayer. God is going to bring deliverance for us. Jesus is king. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Psalm 126, verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Our programs cannot give the answers that we need. You can accomplish much through prayer. He who continually goes forth with weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. May we not come empty-handed. May we come with fruit to God. He's looking for fruit in the earth. May the husbandman be the first partaker of the crops. Jesus is the first fruits resurrected from the dead. And he's longing for fruit. Mm. He's calling us to pray. He's calling us to be faithful. He's going to give true riches, true riches to those who give themselves to prayer in this season. As a church, God's calling us to accomplish much in the spirit of prayer. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, right now. Lord, you would call us to the secret place. You would call us into, into a depth, a depth of prayer, a depth of intercession. We would bring all of our frustration we would bring all of our disappointments before your throne of grace. And right now we just give you, we just give you all of our burdens. Lord, I thank you, Lord, in that place of intimacy, in that place of prayer, our burdens become your burdens. And your burden is light. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for deliverance. I think we don't need to fight this battle with our own wisdom, our own strength. We submit to you. We ask that you would move through our nation, through the nation of Australia. We ask that you would move through our communities, that you would bring men and women to yourself. Father, remove the arm of flesh, remove the strength those that have been trusting in the arm of flesh, those that have been trusting in man's wisdom, would turn their affection to you. They would turn their gaze to you. Lord, we thank you.
that Bible purchases have quadrupled. We ask that you would double it, Lord. Lord, we ask for a turning of man's hearts towards you. Father, we ask that you would send revival, that you would send revival on the earth, that there would be a great harvest, a great harvest that would usher in your soon return. Lord, that you would come back, that you would gather up your precious ones, your souls, eternal souls. Father, I thank you. Thank you for raising us up as a church which can represent you well on the earth today.